When the art day gets rough, you just gotta keep on punching. And here's your Thunder Punch Daily with Jersey Drozd. And so we find ourselves at the end of the Art Sound Off Challenge. This is the final day, November 30th, 2014. And uh, if you just tripped upon this podcast and are wondering what the Art Sound Off Challenge is, the very quick version is my buddy Rob Stenzinger and I challenged each other to record a journal uh, audio microcast every day for the uh, month of November 2014. And we opened up that challenge to the whole world, said, hey, play along with us, record just a few thoughts at the end of your workday and see what happens. See what you learn about yourself and your work and get some practice doing this audio stuff because something I've said in the past uh, repeatedly is I think uh, sharing your voice along with your work. If you're, if you're a visual storyteller, I think it adds uh, an extra layer of context um, and uh, interesting content to uh, bolster your overall body of work. Because let's face it, a lot of us who are visual storytellers are trying to find more work by sharing our stuff on the internet or find audiences or um, you know, just, just generate general interest in the kinds of things that we're making, whether it is a service or expression. Now, for the final episode, as I said, I was going to do a bunch of um, reflections on what this whole thing, this whole art sound off challenge has meant to me as a creator. How am I different after doing this thing? What did I learn from this thing? And uh, one of the ways I set up my investigation of my own reflections is it's an activity that I use in my classrooms at the end of a lot of my courses is I sit down with the students and I say, I say to them, um, I'm going to go teach another comics class. Uh, these kids are very nervous about making comics. So what advice would you give to them? in uh, taking on comics for the first time. And it's a way to concretize the learning experience for the kids. It's a way to pass on ownership of the learning experience to them because then they're teaching me uh, by using what they learned in the class. Sometimes it's just repeating something that I said. Uh, sometimes it's an observation that they made completely independently of, uh, you know, they made it on their own through their own investigation of the work. In any case, it's very, I find it's a very effective and powerful way to, um, get the kids thinking really hard about what they actually did in there in the guise of helping somebody else, which as I've discovered through this project is kind of one of my uh, uh, sort of default positions to take is, is trying to help other people, um, which leads me to discovering some potential blind spots in my thinking. So I did learn quite a bit, but... Uh, I'm left with a lot of questions of my own that I got to spend some time unboxing. And I know I'm going to spend time uh, unboxing this with Rob Stenzinger on the Lean Into Art cast, which airs this coming Thursday, uh, first Thursday in December of 2014, which you will be able to listen to at leanintoart.com. So I've got a huge list of observations here, and I don't even know if I'm going to be able to get through them all. I'll try to get through them all. Uh before I get into what my advice, like what would I tell somebody starting a journal microcast, I want to start with some of my own personal observations um, and provide some a little bit of context up front. Is that something I've been, I don't want to say wrestling with, but exploring over the past year, two years now. Uh, and I know Rob's been along, uh, along for the ride with me on this. 
is expressing myself, more, expressing vulnerability, uh, allowing myself to be vulnerable or more human by expressing more of my emotions, basically using my audio stuff to be more expressive than uh, completely service-driven. And I should say, well, I'll get to that in a second. Um, why, why do this? What, what, what's the motivation behind it? Well, the, the explicit motivation for me was, it was it, it, an effort to allow myself to be more human in public and less of a quote-unquote brand. You hear a lot of people talk about that. It's like, oh, you gotta, you gotta maintain your brand and you gotta have this kind of messaging and everything. Well, we're human beings after all. And one of the cool things about the internet is it has allowed global communication between human beings. And I think one of the, one of the ways we can elicit more empathy and compassion is to allow ourselves to be a little bit more vulnerable, vulnerable every once in a while within limits, of course, right? Because there's lots of creepazoids out there and you don't want to leave yourself open to attack from just anybody. Uh, but I think part of this comes out of, you know, something I've been very vociferous about in the past, this, this whole reaction to the guru type that we encounter from time to time, right? The, the people who do have a very clear, polished brand, and I am here to answer all your questions, and I am here to help you maximize yourself to make you be the best person you can be. If I did it, you can do it, that kind of thing, that kind of very easy to grok kind of messaging that ultimately uh, always leaves me very suspicious uh, because oftentimes it's a lot of kind of hand-holding, not requiring you to do any kind of uh, critical thinking of your own. Uh, just follow my one, two, three step process kind of thing. Uh, but also another explicit motivation, this kind of comes to a hypothesis that I've, I've been working on for a couple of years is that I have observed that some creatives can get right out in front of their projects and express their positions, their worldviews, their emotional reactions, seemingly without any effort. Like they, they, just, they can fire off an opinion on something in public, and they don't seem to have any kind of compunctions about this, which is something that I, in the past, and actually this goes into another... Um, microcast uh, one of the art sound off challenge uh microcast uh, uh, made by ashley knapp control alt lee on audio boom uh, i can link to it where she was talking about this whole idea of crying in public and pointing out how it's something that i've have gone on record to say that that's one of my taboos and it has been i mean i'll, I'll cop to that for many years i've spoken out against this idea of like i'm really not interested in people in, in listening to people cry publicly oh woe is me um to, you know, I mean, there's, and, and my, my, my thinking is under review on that. Because as I said, I've seen people do very like off the cuff kind of emotional expressions and it doesn't bother me when they do it. But in the past, it has been something where I would think like, oh, shameful. No, you know, you know, you, you, the, the, this is the kind of conversation I got into with Ashley off mic uh, privately was we talked a little bit about like there's this social contract that when you're at the grocery store, that is not the arena to openly express problems that you're having or difficulties that you're having. There's a social contract that you are to behave a certain way in public. Um, that is something that, again, going back to what I said about the internet being this global communication thing that allows interpersonal communication between people all across the world, does that mean that the norms have to change on that? Um, 
because it's an arena that doesn't have the clear physical boundaries that we have uh, in real life, right? Uh, grocery store, there's an explicit, clear, you're stepping through a door, you're in a different place now, you're amongst strangers, right? A uh, little less clear when you're on Twitter or some other forum well, a forum actually is pretty explicit. You're there for a specific reason. But but I'm just saying, like, when you j- drop into any social network, there are friends there, but there's also strangers there. So it makes things a little bit more fuzzy and weird. And, and that's where I think, like, my thinking on this whole crying in public thing needs to be reinvestigated and put under review to see if my positions need some um, uh, revising. So going back to what I learned from this thing, I'm operating under this hypothesis. That, you know, perhaps I need to get out front and express myself more. Now I'll point to Rob Stenzinger's final um, art sound off microcast on his Polytechnicast. I'm going to borrow some of his language because what he said really connected with me is is that he, he described it as, well, that's not exactly my strength. And it's not my strength to uh, just put my expression first over the service. I keep coming back to service over expression. Like, right, like I've, I've said, I think it was even in the last Thunder Punch Daily. Um, I feel a commitment to justify anybody's time. You took time to download this thing. You're taking time to listen to it. I got to do something to make that time well spent. And the question is, is that is expressing myself, uh, is expressing my emotions or my position on something, um, is that a justification of your time? Let's operate on. Let's let's throw out another hypothesis, uh, or rather, uh, what I consider to be a mistaken assumption that I hear other people say. And now I got to turn that question on myself. I'll hear people say, "Like, well, nobody wants to just listen to me talk about something." And I say, "But they do, right?" I mean, like when I was listening to everybody else's art sound off challenges, and sometimes people were just talking about what they did that day, and then they just they didn't have an essay composed. They're just like, "Hey, I did a little bit of this. I did a little bit of that." This was kind of a, a difficult struggle, and they laugh a little bit. And I find it charming, and I find like I'm getting to listen in on somebody who whose work I appreciate or whose thoughts I appreciate. I get to listen to them just kind of like react to their day, right? That's interesting. Um, but then am I not uh, subscribing to that false assumption of nobody wants to just listen to me talk by saying, well, I got to make it worth your while, right? Okay, so we're pointing to a potential blind spot. Uh and this leads me to what I what I feel is a potential vulnerability moment for me. <laughs> this is as vulnerable as I let myself get, right? Is that I, I think that I've landed on a blind spot by doing this this whole journal microcast every day for the month of November. Is that uh, because I'm always, always trying to find like, what's the point? What's the essay? What's the, the big idea so that I'm communicating something that is potentially of service to somebody? Um, I'm reminded of... Uh, sort of a default position I take is that I try to stand behind projects rather than step out in front of projects. Going back to my thing I said earlier is that I've noticed that certain creators can get right out in front and let their personality be the center of focus for a little bit. Uh, you know, where in, in, in conjunction with the work that they're making, right? It doesn't cloud the work that they're making, but it's just as loud, Right. Uh, whereas I try to subdue my personality behind the service of the project itself. So, for instance, uh, an anecdote I know I've told before is uh, 
And my wife once very, uh, you know, like lovingly but facetiously said to me one morning when I was getting ready to do the Comics Are Great show, said, oh, you have to do the Jersey show? And then she sings this little song like, the Jersey show, we gotta go do the Jersey show. And I would get really mad. I'd be like, no, it's not, don't even joke about that. It's not the Jersey show. It's about promoting comics. It's not about me. It's not about promoting me. Uh, it's not about making a big fuss out of how awesome I am as a cartoonist. It's about promoting this wonderful art form that I love with all my heart. And it's about promoting the people who make things that get me excited about comics, right? Uh, I'm just there to facilitate. I'm not there to bask in any kinds of awards or accolades for that. Um, and I think about, okay, well, where does that come from? Where does this this weird uh, default position stem from? And I try to think about that a little bit. Why, why do I do that? Uh, I just mentioned a couple episodes ago, I was watching the 1978 Superman film, which is like my number one favorite superhero movie of all time. And I, I was, as I talked about it on the microcast and I posted about it in some different private places, and I was talking about how, you know, like that scene where Superman smiles at the end is so important to me. Somebody brought up, there was also a line just before, it's at the very end, it's just before Superman flies in outer space and smiles at the camera. Uh, the the warden of the prison where Superman has deposited Lex Luthor, the warden says to him, uh, this country is safe again, Superman, thanks to you. And Superman says, oh my God, I get so choked up every time I hear this line. He says, uh, no, sir, don't thank me. We're all on the same team. You know, uh, he doesn't get out in front. And I'm like, and, and that had a very profound impact on me as a child. You know, like, wow, really good guys don't stick around to catch all of the glory. I think about characters like Zorro, characters like He-Man, right? Like they don't, they do their job and then they get the heck out of there, right? Um, I think about like the Taoist expression, when you've done your job right, people aren't sure you did anything at all. I mean, they, this also got appropriated as a line on Futurama, but it, it comes from uh, the Tao Te Ching. Um, and that, that's kind of a lofty thought is that if, if, you, if you're doing everything right, then everybody feels empowered and everybody feels like uh, that we all did this thing. And it's not just about making a statue to some person. That's, I, I personally, I respond very positively to that kind of idea, uh, empowering everybody, right? Uh, and then again, going back to He-Man, you know, it's like I play all these He-Man morals at the end of these Thunder Punch dailies partially because it's funny and it's fun to try to find one that it ties into the essay that I was trying to create through the, sh the particular episode, but also because these things had a really, really big impact on me as a child is like, there's one that He-Man does where he says, you know, what makes a good leader is intelligence, compassion, and an unselfish desire to do good. Again, hitting me right in the forehead. So all this stuff is like shaping me as a child, shaping me into the kind of person I grew up into. Then also there's another layer to this. It's like I've been teaching comics classes for seven plus years now. And in my role as a teacher, I'm there to advocate for the students. And that means that, in my opinion, my personal views are uh, subjugated in order to find out what the students need to learn. What do the students need to learn? What do they want to learn? Uh, what are they struggling with? And this isn't a time for me to tell them that this is the right way or this is the wrong way to make comics. This is a time for me to find the way to get them to make better comics to the best of their ability and in the way that is interesting to them on a vector that, on a path that they can actually take, right? Um, so a lot of it is not, you know, like, like when we use like movie examples or cartoon examples in my classrooms, it, like when I'm showing them He-Man cartoons and asking them to redesign characters, I'm not 
standing in front of them saying, this is the best cartoon ever made and you should love it the way I love it. No, it's like, we're just going to use this as a case in point. And I just happen to know a lot about that cartoon. I love that cartoon, but that's not the point. The point is to, you know, investigate character design. How can we use shape, size, line, and color to make these characters more visually appealing and express more of their inner life through those, using those tools, right? So all these things together kind of point to this kind of stance or it, they, it, 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 it gives some kind of background motivation to the stance I have of operating out of a sense of service over a sense of expression. But all these things I pointed at could be, uh, the, the question arises, is that is this dogma? Am I adhering to some kind of dogmatic principle, some kind of recipe? I just railed against recipes a little while ago. You know, one, two, three steps. I don't like that. Am I doing that? By adhering to these is this something where uh, I'm responding to some kind of programming that may be comfortable and may work for me but maybe it needs to be you know being a human being means that we're dynamic and ever-changing maybe I need to reinvestigate that right so okay am I if I'm relying on dogma let's just let's put that on the table as a possibility then the question bubbles up again is there a value in sharing what I'm doing and how I feel about it you know, I've, I've described Thunder Punch Daily in the past as a form of blogging for me. It's easier for me to just talk out my thoughts sometimes than to type out my thoughts. If that's the case, uh, what do we mean by blogging? What does that mean? What, and in the past, as I've just described, I've always operated out of the sense of trying to have some kind of a service. What's the, I'm going to make a point. Hopefully somebody can use that point and then go about their day. Um, but in my constant reading about you know this this subject of sharing information and, and blogging and and uh uh global communication and so on i came across an article that guy kawasaki shared um and it was it was on social blogging and one of the head one of the big thoughts of it that i grabbed and i put it in my google keep because i was like i need to follow up on this and chew on this more is uh, he said you know all blogging is is sharing what you experience, what you think, and what you make. And I think the, this was kind of like to recontextualize this whole notion of the difference between being purely self-promotional. Hey, check out my thing on Twitter all the time, right? Follow my link, follow my link, which I'm guilty of. Um, it should equally be about what you experience and what you think. Uh, and there's these weird wrinkles that come into doing an audio version because now what are we? We're like already 20 minutes into this thing and I don't want to go too much longer, but uh, services like Instagram and web comics offer a very low risk way to do that, right? Uh, like when I post a picture on Instagram or when I post a comics page, I'm really only asking for one or two minutes of your time. And the feedback mechanism is super easy. Just hit the like button, you know, and you said, hey, I approve of this thing. Whereas a microcast of 10 minutes, 20 minutes, is asking for a much more substantial uh, amount of your time. And, uh, you know, the feedback loop on this isn't quite as clear, right? There's no easy way. You can you can share it on Twitter, I guess, if you think it'd be useful to anybody else. You can email me uh, or you can at tweet me to say, hey, that was a thing. But the, there's a lot of information in a 20-minute thing. So um, even if I do have a larger point, it's like, how do you react to that in that simple, frictionless way of just going thumbs up, you know? Um, 
I mean, and that's one of the things that's that's made the the puzzle of Thunder Punch Daily uh, challenging for me is that I don't get a ton of feedback on the show, and I'm not complaining. I'm just using this as a data point. Um, not a lot of people react or interact with it, and like if you look at uh, on iTunes, there's no not even any reviews. There's not even star reviews or anything. Like uh, Lean Into Art, comics are great. All get star reviews, and people write really nice things about Thunder Punch Daily. No, so. I don't have a clear feedback mechanism to know if this thing is even of service, right? Uh, and then final observations that I learned from this um, is that I've discovered that I'm super comfortable in expressing myself through comics. I have no problem saying, this is what I love most in life, this is my position, this is how I feel about the world. Through a fictional world, I can do that, no problem at all. Um, I feel like I, I can be very honest through things like Boulder and Fleet, but I'm less comfortable doing that through audio. And that leads me to, you know, my default position of the audio projects tend to be more service driven, service to guests, service to audience. And the question remains, is this something that I need to quote unquote work on? Or is this something where I've discovered one of my limitations? which is totally fine. I am 100% okay with it if it boils down to, you know what, you're just, you are, in this particular respect, you are baked. You are fully baked and you, uh, this is just like, for instance, I will never be a track star, right? <laughs> I don't have the physique. I mean, I could probably train to run faster than I can now, but I'm there's no way I'm gonna be tra uh, training for any kind of Olympic stuff right now. And I am a-okay with that. Same kind of thing. Like, if I find out that I'm just not, like, that's a muscle I can't develop in just being more off-the-cuff expressive, so be it. But it's possible that it is something I can be, I can adjust. If I do decide to adjust it, then it's time to investigate a little bit more deeply why I would want to do so. Because, um, like, as, as something Rob said in his uh, reflections, is that this, you know, some of these Thunder Punch Dailies with the time crunch and having to get it done that day and only having like a 10-minute window, uh, I did get taken out of my comfort zone. Get it done now. I wound up saying things that I didn't expect to say and found out, you know, a you know, little bit. I, I feel like I've made myself more vulnerable than I intended to. Finally, and I will wrap this up quick, using my own classroom exercise as a model, what would I tell someone starting a journal microcast? If you were going to do this next year, what would I say to you as, as advice? Um, and gosh, my advice is always not telling you how to do it, but just uh, more of like what challenges to expect. Uh, number one, it will take more time than you think. I, I've got my recording slash publishing setup ironed out to about five minutes of process after the recording is finished. But even on a good day, uh, there's at least a five-minute spin-up cycle to collecting my thoughts for the recording. So you're looking at 10 minutes of time sandwiched around the actual recording time. So even if you have a five-minute recording, it's going to be a 15-minute block of time. So it will take more time than you expect. Um, even even if you are just, well, I mean, if, if you're somebody who can just do stuff off the cuff, though, perhaps that, you know, you won't find that's true. But for me, that's what I discovered. Uh, this one I, I feel very strongly about. Ums and ahs are a-okay. It is all right to say um on these things. People get way too worked up about sounding natural. <laughs> 
this isn't radio. This isn't something that's being marketed to 100 million people. It could be. It could be that that happens. But it's the, the explicit intent isn't to create something that uh, XM radio is going to pick up and, and promote, right? Uh, it's, not, it, it's a journal. And in a journal, you collect sloppy thoughts. And even in my most polished Thunder Punch dailies, I know that there's points when I get uh, a little bit sidetracked or distracted or I'll you know, have to catch myself up or I'll catch myself thinking a, a, a side thought, which leads me down like this weird, these weird paths. Um, and wowing people with sports or uh, like showmanship is awesome, but it's mostly about exposing us, the audience, to your thoughts and experiences. Going back to that guy Kawasaki thing, sharing what you experience, what you think and what you make. Uh, you you will find yourself, this is number three, you'll find yourself being more attentive to exploratory moments. Like this is something that I've found just through doing podcasting in general, but especially this month is that, you know, when somebody says something especially interesting or when I read an extra interesting article, you wind up capturing that stuff more because it's all fodder for follow-up. It's fodder to bolster and reinforce the points that you're making. Um, so it, it becomes sort of almost like a natural reflex to just grab things and say like, that's something I got to follow up on. Like for instance, that guy Kawasaki article I grabbed months ago. Uh, I don't remember when that was published, but it was published a long time ago and I grabbed it because I knew at some point or another, I would be responding to that on something or other. Um, you'll discover people who know you better than you know them. And I know I've talked about this before, that old story of the guy who came up to me at a convention and just started talking to me as if he'd always known me. And it was a little bit weird and off-putting at first because I thought, who the heck are you? But then I realized, oh, that's right. Thousands of people listen to the stuff that I talk about. Uh, they probably know me quite well. Um, and then the other thing that I would add on as an addendum to that is that despite all my apprehensions about expressing myself, I've discovered that people tend to correctly deduce my motivations and my worldview after listening to me for hours and hours and hours. That stuff comes through. And people tend, I, I, I've been surprised by how much people know about my attitudes towards life, uh, even though I think I'm hiding behind, hiding? Ooh, there's an interesting word. Even though I'm standing behind my projects rather than getting out in front of them. Hiding, oh, a revelatory word. Uh, then the last one is that, uh, you will find yourself more at ease with speaking publicly and in mixed company. I still get nervous when getting up in front of an audience as anybody does, but, um, one chief benefit I've gotten through doing this stuff is that, uh, by being attentive to my own thoughts and being attentive to reacting to other people's thoughts, uh, it's made it easier for me in mixed company to in engage in conversation with other fellow creatives and being able to identify what uh, I'm responding to in their work in what they're saying in the moment. And, uh, which is, I mean, if we're going to be purely practical about it, um, that's just a really good networking skill. So here's where I say, I've been going on a really long time, but it's the last one, you know, I'm giving you a, a double helping, I guess. And if you stuck around this long, guess what? I, I really appreciate you hanging out with me for this long and, and uh, giving me your time, letting me, you know, come talk into your ear for uh, 30 some minutes. And I want to thank Rob Stenzinger of interactive-storyteller.com for helping me instigate this whole art sound off challenge thing. Uh, I derived a lot of value out of it, which again, we will explore more on the lead into art cast. I want to thank 
you know, uh, Ashley, Owen, Eva, Robin, and Nathan for all playing along by recording their own microcasts over the course of the month. Um, it's been really terrific listening to you guys catalog and respond to your art days. And I feel like I got to know you guys a little bit better uh, through this whole experience. And it's been fun listening to... Uh, fun? Mm, it's been fascinating to listen to you guys in all the struggles that you've encountered in doing this and in just in, in the month of November in general. Um, so is, will there be more Thunder Punch dailies? Mm, I still don't know. I still don't know. We will have to, I'll, I'll see if that's something we can address on the Lena Tart cast. So there's a tease. <laughs> the, the answer may surprise you and it will be revealed on the Lena to art cast. Um, I know Rob will ask me that question when we finally do the show. So uh, tune in for that uh, Thursday, what is it? December 4th, 2014. We'll be streaming it live at 9 p.m. Eastern time. So thanks again for everybody for participating in this thing. Thank you for downloading and listening to all of these Thunder Punch Daily microcasts. And uh, if you have any reactions to this, I'd love to hear them. Uh, I know Rob and I would love to hear what any reactions that you guys have to the whole project in general so we can, you know, suss it all out and deconstruct it and evaluate it all in the Lead Into Art cast. So until next time, I've been Jersey Droz, comicsaregreat.com, boulderandfleet.com, and uh, I'll be back somewhere, somehow. Uh, and until then, remember everybody, it's a good thing Orko got my sword back today or Prince Adam might never have been seen again. The rock man who took my sword thought it made him a leader, but he was wrong. A sword or any other symbol doesn't make a person a good leader. What does is intelligence, respect for others, and an unselfish desire to do good. People are proud of a leader with those qualities, so if you develop them in yourself, you could become a good leader too. See you soon.